Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Himalaya. Hello. Thanks for joining us on Think Like an Economist, which is a Himalaya learning production. Go to Himalaya.com slash econ to get exclusive content and enter the promo code econ to get your first 14 days free. To find out more about Himalaya Learning and to try out our extra material, head to Himalaya.com econ and get your first 14 days free by using the promo code econ at checkout. It's time to think like an economist. I don't know if you have seen these photos of how many notes do you need? to buy a kilogram of rice in Venezuela. Basically, if you want to go to the supermarket, you need to go with a backpack full of money. <laughs> Hi, I'm Luis. I'm Venezuelan, and I've lived through high inflation. Over recent years, Venezuela has had the highest rate of inflation in the world. Their official currency is the Venezuelan Bolivar. Our friend Luis lived there until a few years ago. I just sent you a link. Uh, one second. So you've just sent me a link that says, here's how much money you need to buy different everyday items in Venezuela. Nas, this was written two years ago. So today the problem is even bigger than this. Wow. I'm seeing photos of different everyday items and the physical amount of cash you need to buy them. So we've got some toilet paper and there's quite a big stash of cash. I'd say about 12 inches high or something. It's ridiculous. And here we have 10 carrots. The price of these carrots is around 50 cents of a US dollar. And the price in Venezuela is around 3 million bolivares. And here we can see how you need a supermarket, plastic bag, an entire bag of money in order to be able to buy these 10 carrots. This situation is a result of rapidly rising prices, which means that money in Venezuela is losing its value really quickly. And day by day, you can buy drastically less with whatever cash you have. For Venezuelans like Luis, it's a crisis. Prices tend to rise in most countries in most years. That's a process we call inflation. But when prices rise only slowly, this isn't much of a problem. But very high inflation, like in Venezuela, is very disruptive to people's lives. Inflation is the topic of this week's episode of Think Like an Economist with me, Betsy Stevenson. And I'm Justin Wolfers. This is the podcast where we teach you the economic super tools that will transform your life and the world. Nestor and Tavakoli Fars with us. It was eye-opening talking to Luis. I can't imagine going to the shops with bags full of cash to buy everyday things. It's interesting to hear him speak about the ways in which inflation can make his economic life difficult. Inflation's not about a specific price rising, like your monthly rent going up. Rather, it's about a generalised rise in prices. 
The inflation rate measures the average rise in prices across the whole economy. The way to think about it is to imagine everything you buy in your life as your rent, your tea, your sandwiches, your Ubers, your vacations, everything. One big basket full of the stuff Naz buys. Now imagine that you plan to buy all those things again next year. The inflation rate measures how much more, as a percentage, you'll need to pay to buy that same basket of stuff next year. So let's say I spent $50,000 last year. If I go to buy all the same things again next year and find that it costs me $51,000 or 2% more, then that means that my cost of living has risen by 2%. That's right, Naz. So inflation is not just a measure of the average rate at which prices are rising. It's also a measure of the rising cost of living. So inflation for you, Naz, was 2%, which means that your cost of living rose by 2%. I notice you mentioned a basket of goods. Yeah, so that's how people who measure inflation think about it. Because some prices are going up and some are going down, we need some way to figure out what's happening on average. So they look at what people buy on average and figure out what's the price of that basket. So this basket will include not only your daily groceries like milk, eggs and tomatoes and also clothes and furniture, but also services like electricity, rent, education, medical care and health insurance. Because the inflation rate's trying to measure the average rise in prices, this basket reflects what people buy on average. But for you, Naz, you might buy less dog food than the average person because you don't have a dog. So when the news says inflation is 1.8%, it could actually be higher or lower for me depending on what I usually buy. That's right. You might buy more or less of what the typical person tends to buy on average. In fact, that's why there's so many different measures of inflation. They each correspond to different baskets of goods and services. Inflation seems really connected to money. Like if prices have been rising rapidly, then the money in my wallet is less valuable because I can't buy as much stuff with it. That's right. And it's another useful way to think about inflation. It's the rate at which money is losing its value over time. And so to understand inflation, it's really useful to understand money. So I've recently read Jacob Goldstein's book about money. Me too. I loved it. Yeah, it's great. He talks about money as a medium of exchange. So as someone who makes podcasts but needs food every day, I don't need to go find someone with whom I can barter some podcast making in exchange for my lunch. I get paid for my podcast services in money and I can exchange that with someone who makes food. It saves a lot of time for everyone. Exactly. Money makes life simpler. But it'll only do that if everyone accepts it and trusts it. Hold that thought because it's going to be significant later. Another way to think about money is that it's a unit of account, which is just a way of saying that money is to economists what a tape measure is to an architect. It's how we measure things. And money has another role, which is that it's a store of value. So instead of stockpiling beans, we can save money to buy food to eat in the future. That's right. So money's actually three things. It's a medium of exchange. It's a unit we can all use to compare the value of things. And it's a way to store value. For something to work well as money, it needs to do all three of these things well. Once you understand what money does for us, you can start to better see why high inflation is a problem. If money's a medium of exchange... Well, with high inflation, money loses its value rapidly and people may stop trusting it. They might stop using it. It'll no longer be effective as a medium of exchange. Yet, Luis mentioned this happened in Venezuela. People stopped using bolivars and have had to figure out other ways of doing business. 
Bartering can become common when money is losing its value so quickly. In Venezuela, we hear about taxi drivers asking to be paid in food, for example. There are even Facebook pages where people can barter all sorts of daily items with each other, such as toiletries and cleaning products and everyday food. Money's a unit to compare the value of goods and services, but when the value of money itself keeps changing, it's going to be hard to compare measurements. Money's what lets us compare apples and oranges using a common measuring stick, but when the measuring stick itself keeps changing, it's hard to make comparisons or even to set your prices correctly. Yeah, Luis mentioned this too. His sister never really knew how much she was getting paid. My sister is a student and she, as a side job, she teaches languages. And the way that she gets paid is that she asks her students to pay her based on the exchange rate of the date in bolivares. And then... She takes these bolivares and transforms them into U.S. dollars. I talked to her yesterday, and basically what she said to me is that she gave her classes, and at the moment that she collected the money, the value of the classes were around $32. And that same day in the evening, the value of the classes were around $8. So inflation in Venezuela some days can be very, very aggressive, and you can see a dramatic change in just one day. A lot of people in Venezuela end up converting their money to US dollars as the dollar is more stable and isn't going to lose its value as much and as quickly. Also, Luis said that one of the main things more affluent people do when they turn 18 is that they take a trip to the US so they can open a dollar bank account, which is what they'll use to store their money. Right. In a high inflation environment, money really stops functioning as a store of value. There's no point putting money away for a rainy day if it won't buy you as much when that rainy day comes. That's what happened to bolivars. You shouldn't really put bolivars away anymore. Today, inflation in Venezuela is is ridiculous. It's above 2,000%. High inflation is very interesting what it does to, to your behaviors because you become very pessimistic about money and the value of money. Every year, you're expecting that the money, the cash that you have, is going to be less if you just keep it that was very common in Venezuela is that everyone was looking to invest their money in something that they can. It could be a car, it can be bottles of whiskey, it can be US dollars, but you're always trying to protect the value of the money that you have. And you see this weird behavior where people are constantly, like as soon as you receive your paycheck, you do as much as possible to transform this into a different currency, and that currency can be money or can be bottles of whiskey, something that you know that is, is going to keep the value on time. When money loses its value so quickly, people also rush out to spend it as soon as possible. A common sight in Venezuela and anywhere else where there's hyperinflation is long queues for ATM machines as people are trying to take out as much money as they can all the time so they can spend it before it loses value. Luis told me he moved to neighbouring Colombia in 2015. Colombia had inflation of around 7%, and right now it's close to 2%. He described his life as being drastically different compared to living under hyperinflation back in Venezuela, where inflation was in the thousands. The main impact it had on me is that it allowed me to be more positive and optimistic about the future. And when I say the future, it's about my financial future and how to save, how to invest, like not being so anxious and worried about 
what's going to happen with my money in the next year. You can think a little bit further than that. It was really moving hearing that high inflation can take away people's hopes for the future. Yeah, and it's just another example of how all these big macroeconomic concepts aren't just about abstract numbers. They affect us all on a deeply personal level as well. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hyperinflation is an extreme example. In fact, even that 7% inflation Luis first experienced in Colombia in 2015 is high compared with the US, Europe and Australia. These are countries that tend to have inflation of only around 2% per year. Right. But we can still think about inflation as undermining the three values of money. It's just less extreme. For example... Money is still a pretty good unit of account when inflation's only running 2% a year, but sellers do have to keep up with inflation and change their prices. Economists refer to the costs associated with changing all those prices as menu costs, as it's a bit like changing all the prices on a menu. This takes time and energy from them being able to actually produce things. Instead, you or your staff are spending your time and resources reprinting price tags. And inflation is not just a hassle for sellers, it's a real hassle for buyers too. Because when money's losing its value, you end up spending your time and energy trying to withdraw your money and either spending it or putting it into something else that will keep its value. We call these shoe leather costs because running around to spend your money before it loses value causes you to wear out the leather on your shoes. It's a metaphor, of course, but it stands in for all of this hassle. Yeah, and also I'm wondering, say the price of something goes up. How can you tell if this price has gone up due to people demanding more of it or if it's due to inflation? Right. That's another problem with inflation. And it makes it confusing for sellers to know if they should be making more to meet an increase in demand or if the price rise is just due to inflation. Even lower levels of inflation can also make money a less good store of value. That can have the practical consequence of redistributing from savers and lenders to borrowers. Naz, let's say you're paying back money on a loan you took out and you repay 200 bucks a month to the lender. Well, due to inflation, your 200 bucks is worth less each month, but you're still paying the same amount of currency back. As a borrower, you win, but the person who lent you the money and who is getting your less valuable 200 bucks a month is now able to buy less with what you're repaying them. Isn't that part of the reason why I pay interest on that loan? That's right. Part of the interest on a loan is to make sure that what you pay back is worth the same amount in terms of what the lender can buy with it. Economists talk about the nominal interest rate. That's the interest rate you pay a lender without correcting for the effects of inflation. 
But it's a good idea to also think about the real interest rate. It measures the interest rate in terms of changes in your purchasing power. It's useful because it shifts your focus from how many extra dollar bills you'll receive as a lender to what you can buy with those dollar bills. It's called the real interest rate because it focuses on the real benefit you get when you save. For low rates of inflation, there's a simple shortcut you can use to calculate the real interest rate. Just subtract the inflation rate from the nominal interest rate. Economists talk about how important it is to think in real terms. That means instead of just thinking about the dollars, think about how much it can buy you. We even have a different term for this. A nominal value is just a dollar value. Say we're looking at how much a wage has changed over the past five years doing the same job. It used to be that you got $45,000, and five years later, you were paid $50,000 for the exact same job. That sounds like a pay rise, but what's the problem here, Naz? Well, it looks like my wage has gone up by $5,000 over five years, which is a pretty decent pay rise, and it suggests that I can buy a lot more with my wage than I could five years ago. However, what if the prices of everything else have gone up in a similar proportion over these five years? I mean, I'm not necessarily able to buy more stuff in that case. Exactly. And so an economist would look at the spending power of your current wage in real dollars. One way to do this would be to consider how many of today's dollars you would need in order to buy the same basket of goods and services you bought five years ago. If prices went up so you'd have to spend $50,000 to buy what you were buying five years ago, then economists would say your real income hasn't changed. So even though my nominal wage has risen, my real wage is unchanged because what I can buy with it hasn't changed. That's right. And here's how I remember it. If you want to look at what's really happening, you should look at real values. It's important to not think in nominal terms. Say, you know, if you're negotiating for a pay rise, factor in inflation so you can see if you're actually getting, you know, a raise, like you can buy more stuff, or if it's just that all those prices are rising, so you need your wages to go up just so you can stay in the same place. In fact, really savvy negotiators sometimes insist on having indexation clauses in their contracts, which means that their wage automatically rises with inflation. So from all this, it seems like inflation is a bad thing for the economy. Well, certainly really high rates of inflation, like what we saw in Venezuela, are terrible. But at lower levels of inflation, the problems aren't so bad. And in fact, it can be really hard for us to know exactly how much inflation there really is. That's because there are real questions about whether we measure inflation the right way. Sometimes when prices are rising, people will switch from buying the stuff that becomes more expensive to the stuff that's not becoming more expensive. So the cost of living isn't rising quite as fast as the official statistics say. Also realize that we overstate inflation because we ignore the way new products improve our lives. There were no smartphones 15 years ago. But back then, a lot of us had expensive digital cameras and watches and GPS systems We'd spend a fortune talking to faraway relatives on landline telephones. Yeah, I use my smartphone to take photos and to check the time, and my phone has internet messaging, which I use to make calls. We sometimes look at the big price tag on an iPhone and think that life has gotten more expensive. But in reality, think about this discussion right now. We're talking across the oceans. That would have cost us hundreds of dollars a couple of decades ago, and right now it's free. But our inflation statistics don't adequately capture this enormous reduction in the cost of living. And as a result, they overstate inflation. Justin, Betsy, thanks for talking through inflation today. 
is there anything else I can do to protect myself from inflation? Although I have to say the tip on negotiating my future pay rises is a pretty good one. Another thing you can do to get around the problem of inflation is to look for cheaper alternatives when inflation is high. That's because high inflation is often also really variable, and so it leads to more variable prices. Your goal should be to try to walk in and find that store that hasn't adjusted its prices in a while, and maybe you'll get a bargain. And Naz, I hope you've also learned not to hold on to cash, particularly when inflation is high. I have. Even outside of hyperinflation, it pays to not hold a lot of cash. For example, don't keep too much cash in a checking account. Instead, move your cash to a savings account where the nominal interest rates tend to rise with inflation. And there are even investments that protect against inflation. There's a good example in terms of government-issued bonds, which are indexed for inflation. The interest payments are automatically adjusted to keep up with inflation. And so these are some of the safest investments you can make. In a future episode, we'll dig deeper into the causes of inflation, how it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy, and its relationship to other important aspects of the macroeconomy, like unemployment. Hey, Naz, I hope that today's episode hasn't, wait for it, inflated your sense of the importance of economics. (laughs) You are the worst with dad jokes. I'm just here to keep it real. (laughs) Somebody make him stop. Thanks for listening. There's a lot more from this show and others like it on the Himalaya Learning Platform. Himalaya Learning provides bite-sized courses from world-class thinkers and industry experts for you to enjoy in the app, on the go. For exclusive content, including bonus episodes and supplemental materials, go to Himalaya.com econ and enter promo code econ at checkout for your first 14 days free. Himalaya.com slash econ has loads of great shows like ours, so try it out using the promo code econ at checkout to get your first 14 days free. It's time to think like an economist. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.